Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. Sean Trotar, Sandy Clough is on my left. We like to paint the scene in radio, you know. But also you can see it. Here up at MileHighSports.com. You can actually watch it on the stream with a couple cameras. Studio set up for you. You can also catch that. On the Free Mile High Sports app, Sandy, you, I'm not going to say you called it because you didn't say it would happen, but you did say it would not surprise you if the Phoenix Suns won both of their games in the desert this weekend. And that is exactly what happened. Uh, They beat the Nuggets by seven in game three. They beat the Nuggets by five in game four. This is now a three-game series. Next game will be back in Denver on Tuesday. You have Tuesday, Thursday, and then Sunday, uh, if necessary. And I think the Nuggets are in an awful lot of trouble. But I am hoping you can talk me down because you thought this was a possibility anyway and didn't necessarily think that it was. Well, I, I was certainly a, a huge, you know, more convinced about game three than I was about game four. Game four to me was a toss-up game. Uh, I thought Phoenix being favored by four points, I think it was, for game three was pretty close, and they won by seven. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the way that game developed, of course, uh, the, the absolutely miraculous uh, performance of Booker, which he more or less duplicated yeah. in game four. Yep. I, I mean, certainly I didn't see that coming. I saw uh, certainly a degree of burden being placed upon Booker, but I had no idea that he would respond that well. I thought he'd play well, uh, but nothing like the two games he had, which are uh, you know kind of historic in, uh, in a lot of ways. Oh, back-to-back uh, it, performances? It, it, yeah. 70% true shooting percentage, uh, the best ever by a player with uh, at least uh, 300 points in his first nine playoff games, not just these last two, uh, 331 points so far in the playoffs through nine games for Phoenix. Uh, Jordan, the last to uh, match or exceed that all the way back in 1990. I mean, that's 33 years ago. Uh, 20 for 26 in the two games on jump shots, uh, six times with 35 points or more out of nine games in these playoffs. So far, I mean, this is something that is not done. And then to have Durant, especially last night, serve as the perfect complement, taking fewer than 20 shots and matching Booker's 36 points. I don't know that the Nuggets at their absolute best would have been able to 
match that, much less defeat it even once. So my takeaway is that Phoenix was not necessarily better than I anticipated on Friday, but Phoenix was certainly better than I expected in game four. And uh, the Nuggets reverted to um, both on the bench and on the court some uh, altogether familiar playing patterns. The other takeaway is when Nikola Jokic scores 40 or more points in the playoffs, be excited for him, appreciate his greatness, uh, the unique qualities he brings to the game that no other big man in the history of basketball has ever brought or is likely ever to bring again but don't expect the Nuggets to win the basketball game. They're 0-3 uh, in the playoffs on occasions uh, during which Jokic has scored 40 or more points. April 25th, 2019 in San Antonio, he had 43 in a 120-103 loss to the Spurs. That ended up being a seven-game series that Denver won. Uh, April 23rd, 2023 in Minnesota, the only game the Nuggets lost to the Timberwolves was 114 to 108 and Jokic had 43 in that game and last night of course 53 points in a 129-124 loss in Phoenix. So picking your poison with Nikola Jokic would seem to call for making him a scorer rather than a prime playmaker. He still had 11 assists last night, though. So it it would be hard to say that Phoenix limited him uh, either in terms of playmaking or or scoring, but they picked their poison, and maybe they picked the less poisonous of the two options because other than Murray, everyone else on the Denver squad was taken out of the ballgame. Very, very poor performance outside those two in game four they were the only two who played well uh, and that did surprise me porter jr four for 13 uh 10 boards after and, a hot at, start. At 11 points after a hot start although and and i'm i'm curious to, to know what you think about this because this is something i worried about prior to the series and i talked about it here remember like any other sport players have tendencies the human beings they have personalities they have tendencies one of my biggest concerns was that at some point Jamal Murray was going to feel like he needed to do more than he can do. And it's pretty clear in the last couple of games to me, at least that Jamal Murray felt like, well, I have to match Booker. And I believe the ball got way too sticky with Jamal Murray. I believe that he was focused too much on scoring. And when this happens with, with Murray. When the team is, is struggling, Murray has a tendency of going, I'll try to put it on my shoulders. Now, he's not the team's best player. That's Jokic. But that's just how he kind of functions. And I think it was a problem this weekend. And even though he had a good... I thought it was real problem in game three. It was real an immense problem, problem in, game in game three. I think it was not, better Not so much last four. night. Jokic took 30 shots. Murray took 25. Right. And nobody else could shoot straight. So I, I, I didn't mind those guys taking I mean, the number of Pope shots they five took. For seven. However... In any game in which two of your players take 55 out of 89 shots, you're likely to lose the ball game, no matter how productive those two guys are. And the two Phoenix guys last night took 37 shots and, you know, scored nine fewer points, but on 18 fewer field goal right. attempts. They were wildly efficient and they had help. And 
I, I do think Murray is a big part of this equation going forward. I think he's going to have to find a way to lessen that load that he puts on himself. And I understand that some of the other guys aren't shooting. I get that. But the Suns have clearly figured out we're going to let Aiton defend Jokic, and we understand he's probably going to get his lunch money stolen. That's just how it's going to work. That They're just going to accept that. It's pretty obvious. A booker after the game told the broadcast how, how much he admired Jokic's game and said he can get 50 points as often as he wants as long as we win. Well, but they, they I, don't. He, he, in a more honest moment, might say we know if he has to get 50. We're probably we're in good shape. We're probably going to win. And, and so, and, and and you 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 eliminate him now. Last night, for some strange reason, he only had four rebounds. I didn't quite yeah that's understand how how that came about, but I I think it mostly came about because Phoenix was shooting so well that there weren't a lot of available rebounds. First that's of all, that and there 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 was even more emphasis on the jumper last night, and you know Booker ridiculous goes 14 for 18 after going 20 for 25 seven Durant goes 11 for 19 but Shamit shoots better than 50 yep. percent and hits four threes in the fourth quarter so they, there weren't a lot of rebounds in a quarter where phoenix i think it was the third correct me if i'm wrong shot 14 for 18 as a team i think that's right not a hell of a lot of rebounds no uh, to many. be had there and the nuggets were shooting and scoring reasonably well last night in the third quarter too so uh I, I find more fault, uh, not just with Porter, uh, but with Gordon, uh, obviously the bench guys, uh, uh, two familiar themes. Uh, Porter had no business playing 41 minutes in the game last night, and I know it was an offensive game, and you feel you have to score, and he has to be in there for his offense. But he played more than Jokic did last night. Explain that one. And... Either one played too much or the other didn't play enough, and I had the feeling that one played too much, honestly, that, that Porter had no business playing 41 minutes, and uh, I was listening around today, as I often do, to get a cross-section of opinion, and actually some of the people who are pretty close to the Nuggets were the ones most critical of Porter. I would add that Malone, who has been – at times rightly criticized for not playing Porter enough, uh, I think up until last night was spot on in this series in his usage of Porter. Last night I didn't agree with it. Uh, Christian Brown can't play eight minutes. I'm sorry. And if you want to bench him entirely and play another guy or two or three other guys coming off the bench, that's fine with me because Bruce Brown was terrible last night. And the infatuation with Uncle Jeff continues on the part of Michael Malone for reasons that no one can adequately explain. Jeff Green is good for a dunk and or a three-point shot in every game. Otherwise, he gives you nothing. He is a major liability, and his reason for being on the team at all seems to consist of uh, the sense that uh, Jokic likes him and uh Murray is consoled by him when Murray goes off on mm-hmm. one of his tangents. And, and uh, Malone obviously likes veteran players. That's but one of the things. Don't that he you likes have as well. a coach for that or an assistant coach uh, for that? And I believe the Nuggets have capable assistant coaches who can do exactly what Jeff Green does and do it with as much credibility. 
There is no way that Jeff Green at minus 16 plays 20 minutes last night when he's a minus 11 and 12 minutes in the first half. And to shove him out there for eight minutes, uh, I mean, put anybody else out there. In the two losses. Uh, maybe standing. not Najee, but put Reggie Jackson out there. Uh, uh, put Anish Smith out there. Williams outcoached Malone this weekend for precisely the reason that Malone outcoached Williams last Monday yeah. night. Better use his personnel. He used his personnel, and if one didn't work, he'd go to somebody else. So on Friday, he gets T.J. Warren, a little bit of Ross, and last night he gets a little bit of Ross again and a lot of Shamit. Those guys hadn't been playing. None of them. None of them had been playing. So this excuse that Malone's uh, seemingly innumerable defenders offer is that, well, he's sticking with his rotation. Well, yes, but if it's a losing rotation and you're expecting, correct me if I'm wrong, out of the three guys coming off the bench, more defense than offense, right? You're not expecting big scoring totals from any of them. I think you're expecting but at least some offense two from Bruce Brown. But... Mm. That's not why he's in there, though. He's no. in there for his defense. I think you're expecting double-digit points. defense is failing, I, I imagine that was the argument on Brown last night, that they used him for eight minutes, and he wasn't particularly effective in curtailing Durant. Uh, I didn't see him at all on uh, Booker. I know they double-team Booker a lot. But to me, you have to read situations and if you're that displeased, and there was at least one timeout he called where he basically spent the whole timeout this weekend, at least one time, yelling at the players who were on the floor, it just screaming at them, and rightly so, but don't just scream at them. Make some changes. Jeff Green, Sandy. Reggie Jackson has played in the playoffs sure. before. Jeff Green in his 34 minutes in the last two games. It's minus 36. Plus it's minus. absurd. That's, That's almost, an indictment of the coach. It's almost hard it. to do. I mean, it it really is. And uh, the bench has not been good. A toad sitting on a tree stump <laughs> wouldn't be minus 34 and 36 minutes or minus 36 and 34. It You wouldn't think so. And it has been a challenge. And I think uh, you, you and I probably will talk about it. We maybe disagree on the way Christian Brown has played. I think the stage has been a little big for him. That's not surprising. He's a rookie. Well, I don't know. Does he make mistakes? Never. Never turns it over. Never takes a bad shot. Uh, defensively, uh, especially last night, Durant had it going after, frankly, three games of not really having it going all that well. Last night, he was sublime. He, he scored 36 points on 19 field goal attempts sure. and got to the line a fair amount. But every time he goes to the line, seemingly he... It, Again, after shaky moments at the line earlier in the series, now he's shooting well over 90% at the line, and Phoenix is getting to uh, the foul line, which is something they weren't supposed to be able to do. Uh, 57%, they can do that. Uh, 45% from three, that's too much. Uh, they missed actually five free throws, but still well over 82%, almost 83%. And they... Uh, they pretty they beat Denver on the boards last night. Yes, Again, something did. should that should never happen. And you know we we uh, didn't talk about this guy all that much the other day. 
And uh, I did a program earlier today in which the name was never mentioned, but I think in many ways the key bench player in this series for both teams has been Jock Landale of the Phoenix Suns, who has provided energy that uh, Aiton doesn't seem to be able to provide. Who knows why? And I think Landale has maybe not necessarily gotten under Jokic's skin, but it's certainly bothered him more oh, than I think so. I think so. And, and, and you look at the 43 minutes he's played off the bench. Look at the plus minus. He's plus 26. I mean, that's sort of stunning. And I agree. I think he, I think he uh, gives Jokic more trouble than Aiton does. Another guy who hadn't been playing. And, you know, and, they've been, and Biombo pace, had been the backup. It's just physicality and the fact, and you know what? They, uh, you know, our old friend Scott Hastings would like that. Um, the Landale's being used in a way where Monty Williams has made it clear, go play with your hair on fire. I really don't care if you even get six fouls. Just go, well, you go do your you thing. You play enough to foul out, first of all. And the other value he's brought is in publicly defending the teammate who was benched for him on Friday night. He played down the stretch of a close game. He was in there, and Aiton was sitting on the bench, Mm -hmm. and he spent a good part of his weekend not talking about himself or how wonderfully well he had played and how proud he was to have played so well when his team needed him. He spent most of his time defending his teammate and saying, the criticism of him is entirely unfair uh, in the sense that I, I think if I were to interpret what he said, and a good teammate would say this, and he is obviously a very good teammate, he's, you know, he's going up against the best player in the world, and you're expecting him to match that. He has never claimed, nor has he ever been the equal of Nikola Jokic, and why he's getting skewered, I'm not sure. Now, I would have reasons <laughs> yeah. to look at the Phoenix Suns and uh, be very critical of Aiton in this series, but I get his point, and he, he's doing what good teammates uh, should do. He's saying, believe it or not, the guy's doing his job, and Monty Williams made reference to the fact that on the first possession of the game, Aiton got three offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose there was a little bit of a tone set in a game in which Phoenix had two more offensive rebounds, those three offensive rebounds on the first possession, which did result in a Phoenix score, and then another three-pointer and a 5 nothing lead. Uh, yes, the Nuggets went on a run and were up eight in the first quarter, and I thought the game was going pretty much the way I thought it would. Uh, after that, uh, uh, their bench was clearly better than Denver's bench. Uh, they were deployed more effectively, and Booker and Durant were just too good. Want to know what you think? The call and text line is 303-831-1340. I'm sure a lot to talk about after a weekend in which the Nuggets drop two games and the series gets tied 2-2. Two to two. Uh, Obviously, it, it becomes a critical game five tomorrow. And what do the Nuggets need to do? They, they lost these two. What can they learn? What can they bring back to Denver? in order to shift things. Now, it's interesting because if you listen to the folks in Vegas, they actually believe rather heavily that the Nuggets are going to win game five. So what do they see that maybe I'm not seeing? We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. 
Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Talking about the Nugget Sun series, of course, now tied 2-2. Two two. Call and text line is 303-831-1340 if you want to participate. I imagine some of you have some pretty strong opinions about that. The money line in Vegas for game five tomorrow, Sandy, has the Nuggets favored at minus 205 and a five-point favorite. That's pretty significant. Well, so you're talking about what at least they believe is, is a big difference there. And even though the Suns have looked extraordinary in the last couple of games, now there are some things that I get it. Um, one, I'm, I'm backing off immediately. And we've been talking about how we thought Devin Booker was on the cusp of the superstar. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. I said the same thing. Earlier. Never mind. He's Forget there. about that. He's there. He's there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's there when you start to look like he's Michael there. Jordan in back-to-back well, playoff games. he's averaged 36 a game in the yep. series. Now, I know Jokic is at 36 and a half, but you already knew he was a superstar. Uh, if you're averaging 36.3 over four games and close to that overall in the playoffs through nine games, uh, you know, I, I mean. In the last two games, and, and Kevin Durant he's has been the second best player. Almost five and a half rebounds and almost nine assists. Durant is their second option. Booker's their best player. I mean, that's just where it is. Yeah, I, I I thought they were pretty close, but it's hard to argue. Even last night, about fourteen for eighteen. It's it's hard to argue that eleven for nineteen is better. Point one percent over two games. It's amazing. Seventy nine. Nobody's ever had two games like this. And back he's to not. Back. He's not going for layups and dunking. He's just burying jump jumpers. Shots. Yeah. And often contested jumpers in spite of Malone's claim on Friday night after game three that all he did all night was walk into threes uncontested. The charts showed that 16 of the 25 shots he took Friday night were in fact contested, and he went 11 for 16, and obviously 9 for 9 on uncontested shots. You know if the shot is uncontested, he's going to drill it. It doesn't matter where he is on the floor. But they did contest almost two-thirds of his shot attempts on Friday night. So Malone was dead wrong about that. And if that informed his decisions on how to defend Booker last night, um, no wonder they, they had problems again. Now, I, I think Booker played so well in the two games that no defensive scheme uh, would have mattered very much. I thought they did try to crowd him a little more, double-team him, and all he did was make the right basketball play, pass out of the double-team, and especially in the fourth quarter, uh, throw it to Shamet who kept hitting three-pointers from that left-hand corner. Well, that that must be some of the reason, because regression towards the mean, they don't necessarily believe that Booker can keep shooting nearly 80% from the field. And it's also guys like Shamit that, you know... Right, ha- bench guys won't be as good and Probably not going to be that consistent like they were, uh, They especially... And it really, let, let, let's kind of call it what it is. Uh, Landell did a nice job, Ross did a nice job. Shamit had 19. Had he not... In the last two games, the Suns would have only had two players in double figures at all. In the game three win, only Booker and Durant even had double figure scoring. Well, and it almost happened again, series. except all of a sudden, uh, Shamit turned into Steph Curry for some reason yeah. off the bench. Well, it, that's, not, that's one game. Um, in this series, Phoenix has two players scoring. Um, 
yes, Aiton's averaging 10.8. Okay. But not in the last two games. 36.3 for Booker, 32 for Durant. And then you drop down to 10.8. And actually, Shamit is fourth at 8.7 points per game. Now, you got to remember, in one of the four games, Shamit didn't play at all. Right. And he played sparingly in the other game. Those are the two games. Ex- he had seven played, total played points. Played a little more game three and quite three a bit more last night. Played 30 minutes last night because he was playing well. And th- this is what, if you don't want to use Reggie Jackson or Ish Smith, for example, I, I get that, but put them in, and if they don't perform, yank them. And, and you know, four well, minutes, five minutes, yank them. But that's what they did with Shamus, the and they did it with Ross, and they did it with Warren. They were allowed to play. And if in the first three or four minutes of their first stint they weren't effective, they didn't play as much. If they showed some signs of being affected, they got a second stint and then maybe played a little longer in Shamit's case last night because in the fourth quarter, he couldn't miss. And that's where Monty Williams has done well. He has played he played 10 players in game three. Played not technically played 10, even though Torrey Craig actually got less than a single minute. Well, so yeah, but he, he, he Technically, did not play zero minutes. But, but you're talking about, and really, I mean, you, you got ten guys on the floor in an NBA playoff game. That's sort of considered unusual, right? The rotation shortened a lot. But what that is is Williams, as you described, was managing the game minute to minute in yes. a way that Michael Malone was not, and uh, that is an inverted situation from exactly what we were talking about at the first two, where it seemed like Malone could do no wrong, and, uh, and then it sort of regressed toward the mean again. So I I look at it and I think, you know, the Nuggets are a five-point favorite and, and uh, they look at the money line. The ESPN analytics said they have a 67% chance of winning. And I've got to say, I, I don't see it. Which bench player for the Nuggets is going to score better? Oh, I, I, I think Brown. Brown had two bad games. Last night he was terrible. Uh, and he probably played more than he should have. I'm, I'm not just limiting it to Uncle Jeff. Although the infatuation with Uncle Jeff is what puzzles me. I, I, I can't explain it. It makes no sense. Brown's going to be a free agent that they're going to lose because oh, he's played they've so well. given a max contract to Michael Porter, who will cost them many valuable players over the years to come. This is why if the Nuggets don't win this year, I don't believe they're ever going to come particularly close to winning. This is the best chance they'll again. ever have. This is the best chance they'll ever have. Brown will be gone after this year. Malone will never play Christian Brown. Uh, Christian Brown can play 10, 12 years here. Not that he will, but he played 10 or 12 years, and if Michael Malone's the coach, Michael Malone will play him 12, 13 minutes. Bruce Brown has a player option for $6.8 million next year, but you can imagine, given the fact that he was, you know, at best, one of the league's finest six men and really playing starter minutes for the Nuggets all year, he's going to get more than 6.8, and so he's going to go ahead and, and, and not exercise uh, the, the choice to keep that contract, he's going to go and be a free agent. And that is going to be difficult because, yeah, uh, the performance he's given this year probably jumps him into that $10 million a year range. You know who Bruce Brown is? You know, is there such a thing as a rich man's? We, we hear about it, that so-and-so is a poor man. Right. So-and-so. It's, it's, it, it, to me, Bruce Brown is a rich man's Tory Craig. Tory Craig has started games in the playoffs this year, and now he's not playing at all. At all. Right. Okay? That's 
what a coach should be doing. I'm not saying play nine or 10 guys. I'm saying your habit of playing the same eight guys in the same way, regardless of the score, regardless of the situation, regardless of the matchups, is a a losing strategy. And the only other coach who I think in these playoffs is hurting his team. And as a result, his team has lost four games when it probably shouldn't have lost more than one. That's Boston. And they've got a rookie head coach who, frankly, I think is way over his head. Doc Rivers is coaching circles around him. That That series should have been swept by Boston. They kicked away two games because of coaching malfeasance and also uncharacteristic errors by stars. Jalen Brown, for some reason, went to double cover Joel Embiid and leave James Harden wide open in the corner in a shot that even a bad James Harden could make with his eyes closed. And it was a stupid move. But Boston had a five-point lead with under two minutes to go, and coaching malfeasance cost them in the final minutes. And, you know, Missoula looks to me like, you know, Vance Joseph circa 2017-2018, running around on the sidelines with his baffled deer-in-the-headlights look, like, tell me what to do, tell me who to put in the game, I have no idea what I'm doing. And an I think it's hurt the Celtics. They're only six and four in the playoffs. You're looking forward to seeing that Celtics. again on the Broncos sideline this fall? <laughs> well, he won't be a defensive coach, coordinator. So he but won't be running around. Still, like do you do you believe that in, in this case, the seven point loss and the five point loss, and we saw the how the players played, and you've pointed out correctly that the bench has simply not been good in the last two losses. But has there been enough to basically say that they would have won either of these games with better decision making by Malone? I, I agree with your points, but I I don't think that actually ended up costing them a game. I think the guys, I, 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 I don't think coaches win games or lose games. They weren't shooting. Themselves. Well, look, Aaron Gordon went but five for 10 I think in, they in the last game teams. at least, but he went three for 13 in the first one. And and as good as Gordon had been, maybe in the first two, he's been that bad in these. Well, I, I know. I, and listen, uh, they need a third score. And, and that's not on the coach. They need a third score. To go with Jokic and Murray, and the one and they, they have is this really Michael Porter Jr. Find one. Well, that's the one. Not they according got. to the TNT guys. Well, the TNT and guys they, are wrong. Well, no, they're not wrong. I think they're exactly right. As a matter of fact, because it, it, I think a lot of people are going. Maybe not you, but a lot of people are going on. Well, Michael Porter is a max player, so he's got to be the third best player. No, he doesn't. Uh, the, the most reliable third score they've got is probably Gordon. Uh, Oh, wow. Porter, I, yeah, Porter, Porter rides the roller coaster. Charles Barkley, Shaq, and Kenny Smith, all three of them on the postgame last night were quizzed on that point. They all said Gordon is the guy who's got to step mm. up his offense. And Ernie Johnson says, what about Porter? And Barkley looks at it and says, Porter, Porter makes an occasional jump shot when nobody's near him and grabs rebounds that bounce right to him. Now, maybe that's harsh, but... I, I didn't think it was harsh last night, and I uh, he plays no defense, none. So I I don't know how you can rely on him to score consistently when even Malone, not so much last night, but in most cases, says, you know, I'd rather have Bruce Brown on the court. He guards people, and, and Michael Porter doesn't guard anybody. Now, 
uh, you know, he blocked a shot or two this weekend. And yet there were a number of sequences, especially on that uh, foul on Aiton when Aiton made the hoop. Now, I know Aiton, as is his custom, missed the free throw, so it wasn't a three-point play. But that was a huge play in the game. You, you have a guy who can't score with anything resembling defense, and they find him pinning Porter, who's just as tall, underneath the basket, and not dunking, but laying one in quite easily over Porter's indifferent defense, and Porter, of course, fouls him. And I, I just, I, I think now we're finding in the playoffs that he's just not reliable. Tomorrow night, could he go off for 25 or 30? Sure. But he's like a lot of the bench players around the league who, you know, will go off at home, but on the road, at the very least, you just can't count on them. And I think Gordon's got to play better, but that starts with Gordon staying in the game and staying out of foul trouble. And if you're guarding Durant the way he's going now, not the Durant of the first yeah, two games. Now he's taking it. Foul trouble is, I won't say inevitable, but it's got to be a consideration mm-hmm. if you're going to put Gordon on Durant. And for all these people over the years who have compared Porter and say he could be Kevin Durant someday, well, uh, if Michael Malone thought there was any chance of that being the case, put Porter on Durant. Well, if he was going to be Kevin Durant, we would have seen it already. But I've actually I've actually made that argument. I made that argument that you maybe should put Porter on Durant, at least give uh, the, the size and the length some challenge there. But but if he can't guard Aiton, how's he going to keep up with Durant? Right, and that's fair. And and that's the I mean, part, you, I think you can put any nugget in the rotation and some out of the rotation on Aiton, Aiton wouldn't score. Aiton wouldn't score. And yet he is able to lay one in over Porter and get fouled. I said that that's that's the Michael Porter experience. That's that's what you get uh, when you're playing 41 minutes. And that 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 was the main head scratcher for me. That he played 41 minutes that uh, were apart from the start. You know, he's a teaser, and they, there are players like that all over the league. I don't mean to single out Porter is the only guy who evokes that reaction, but that's. That's who he is. He he teases you, and then he vanishes. And, you know, and then he said, well, he didn't get a lot of shots. Well, he's four for 13. How many shots enough, do you want to give him? He got enough shots. He got enough shots. He didn't shoot well, and, and obviously that's a concern. Game five is tomorrow in Denver. The Nuggets do need a win, and if you are injured, you need one as well. That's why I need to talk to our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com is the website, 720-845-7001 is the phone number. You need to hire the winner, and that's what they do at Burnham Law. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients. They're easy to find all over Colorado, Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, the DTC, Colorado Springs, even up north in Cheyenne. The main uh, personal injury office, by the way, is right here where we are in the tech center. And so when you're injured, they push for you to get maximum recovery, whether it's by settlement or by trial. They'll do their best to get you everything that you need to get right again. They fight for you. So when you're injured and when you're hurt, uh, just don't go grab somebody that you've seen off a billboard. Get someone who you know wins. Hire a winner. And that's Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. The Suns presented a very interesting challenge for the Nuggets without Chris Paul. 
Chris Paul's not expected to play in Game 5. You and I have talked about that since the injury. But are the Suns better without him? We'll talk about it next <laughs> on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Trending on social media right now, Twitter, locally. Peyton Watson. <laughs> I mean, it gives you the idea of, of what people are trying to think the Nuggets could do to adjust after... Uh, the Suns worked at an extraordinary pace and Durant and Booker put on a clinic for the ages and shooting. And some of this, Sandy, strange as it seems, maybe Chris Paul's absence helped the Suns because they were able to continue at a furious pace the entire game that clearly had the Nuggets on his heels. For clearly a lot playing of the game. faster without Paul than they play with Paul. Yes. Clearly. And because the shooting, the shooting didn't seem to suffer. Booker, no, it improved. Booker didn't seem to have a problem getting the assists out, and it didn't alter his offense. Well, his 12 assists last night was a career playoff high for him. And he's averaging, as I mentioned, uh, in this series, almost nine assists per game now. And Paul was the primary ball handler in game one and for a majority of the game last Monday night, game two. Amazing. Amazing. They, they do play faster. Now, two things about this series, and it's been, for the most part, a, you know, the last three games have been close. Mm-hmm. Ten points or less. Right. Margin of victory. First game was a blowout. Sure. But, I've, yeah, uh, after that, you're This right. series has been entertaining to watch, but that this series has been played at a fast pace is untrue. Uh, these are two teams that during the season uh, – Phoenix and Denver, 22nd and 23rd in pace, respectively, and they are playing at a slower pace in this series. But Phoenix at no pace at all in the first two games. They've been running Denver a lot more in the last two games, and Denver plays, apart from maybe one game in this series, at a snail's pace most of the time anyway. Um, So... It isn't fast and it isn't physical. <laughs> George Carl and I were laughing about that the other day. Uh, there, there have been a few references to physicality in this series. The most physical moment of this series was Jokic and the Phoenix owner <laughs> getting into the confrontation. That's as physical as things have gotten, and that happened kind of, sort of, off the court, not on. Yeah, and obviously that was an unfortunate situation. Nikola Jokic gets the technical. I think that probably was the thing that, that bugged me the most. But otherwise, um, that was your made-for-TV controversy. Because Oh, ESPN loved it this let's, morning. Yeah, let's be honest about what happened here. I mean, there's a play, you know, that they, the ball goes out of bounds. A, a Phoenix player ends up kind of diving for it, ends up in the, in the stands. Uh, Ishbia ends up with the ball. He does touch Jokic first. Jokic tries to yank the ball out of Ishbia's hands. Doesn't really work. Uh, Jokic bumps him with an elbow, and Ishbia goes flying like he was a you know a WWE wrestler, and uh, and gets that flop. Something that is kind of funny because even um, 
Devin Booker referred to it in his post-game press conference when a reporter suggested that the owner flopped, that uh, Booker said he did his job. He got him, he got him a point. And <laughs> I think he said that in jest. Yeah, I, I, I think he just wasn't recommending it. But no. at the same time, that there's just it, nothing really happened, and there's more than enough blame to go around. Should Ishbia have you know, grabbed the ball and kind of you know, acted like no. Should he have touched Jokic? Also, no. Right. Did Jokic need to yank the ball out of his hands, given that it was already a dead ball? Also, no. 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 Uh, did he need? You know, even though I Ishbia dramatically overacted the contact. Yes. Did, of course. did Jokic need to actually kind of brush him again? No. Uh, look, it it was just dumb and silly and in the moment, and the technical foul. It's all that's gonna happen. Nobody is. I mean, if there was a suspension or something, it would, it would have happened already. Yes. You're not going to suspend it. And Ishbia came out publicly way, and said there shouldn't there be. There shouldn't be, and he was pretty emphatic about it. Uh, the, the other thing about it is it, not everything is a federal case just because ESPN plays it up. And the reason ESPN plays it up is because it's good video. As they see it. I don't see it the same way. Uh I thought the most appropriate reaction came from Grant Hill. He just laughed at both of them. And uh, the fan who touched Jokic got thrown out. Properly so. Uh, Did Jokic get the T deservedly? Maybe not. Um, But that's all there was to it. And uh, Tony Brothers, the official who assessed the technicals, actually one of the better officials, uh, said after the game to a poor reporter, I assume, yeah, uh, I mean, he didn't think it was a big deal. He thought it was properly adjudicated, and they move on. And I think the league would view it the same way. Um, for people who keep referencing, and this is national writers particularly, uh, and some broadcasters, I suppose, the malice at the palace, of course, circa 2004. The commissioner at that time was David Stern. David Stern, may he rest in peace, is no longer the NBA commissioner. David Stern liked to impose penalties in situations like this. Adam Silver, to the extent that he gets criticized, and this is often said in good nature about Adam Silver, if there were a living and breathing NBA commissioner, dot, dot, dot. It is said not with malice, but with the good-natured, kind of ribbing he's the anti-stern adam silver's decision is the only one that matters not joe dumars in this particular case right adam silver has not only jurisdiction he has exclusive jurisdiction i don't know why joe dumars name even comes up except that when draymond green got suspended joe dumars is issuing quotes but that was a different situation than this one he had stomped on a player's head, okay? And a lot of people didn't think he deserved more that he got at the time during the game, that he didn't deserve a suspension, and I think there's room for debate on both sides. This, is, this isn't debatable. There wasn't ever going to be a suspension. There was zero chance of that. I'm reading John Hollinger, whom I normally have respect for in the athletic today, saying, well, there's a one in three chance he'll get suspended, just to cover himself. And as it is not one in three, there's not a one in 300,000 chance that'll get suspended. And anybody who pays any attention would know that. But again, 
people, both in written and electronic form, are looking for attention. And that's why it surprised me when both Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins on ESPN Today had the same position I did and said not in a million years would Nikola Jokic ever get suspended for something like that, owner or no owner involved. Zero chance, zero consideration. I don't know. Maybe Nikola Jokic got a phone call this morning. And, and my maybe. hope, my hope and is I, that. I bet Ishbia got a I phone call did. this morning and it told him that mind your own business and you are an owner. Uh, maybe come Thursday night in Phoenix, sit the in game your, six, sit in your suite. maybe sit in your suite the next time. If I, okay. if I were the NBA, that's what I'd be telling Ishbia as well. Like next next game, you just sit in your suite. You don't need to be down there and and, and stirring things up again, especially after this. So it, it really is a um, that that part's unfortunate. That became part of the narrative. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I feel oddly who I feel bad about is Devin Booker. When that when the whole story became about that, and they missed a, just a stunning performance in the playoffs. But is there we noticed? A, is there yeah? <laughs> is there a reason to believe that the Nuggets will be better at home? Yes. What is it? Bench players will be better. Phoenix's bench guys won't be as good. Um, this is just basically getting the averages. The Nuggets I, played I think, worse than average, and listen, the Suns uh, were better. You know, I I didn't feel. Uh, in this series, Booker's played 41.7 minutes per game, uh, Durant 41.9. That doesn't seem like a lot to me. Jokic 38.9, that's not a lot. Murray 39.7, maybe a little high, but I, I thought he was tired at the end of game three. I didn't think he was tired last night, uh, and he played 40-plus minutes last night. I, he didn't look tired to me. He did look tired on Friday. Even the announcers picked up on it said he's gassed. He has nothing left. He's, you know, bending over and with his hands on shorts, tugging at his shirt. He's just spent. He has nothing left. He's missing shots, not because they're bad shots, but because his legs are gone. Every shot he missed in the last five or six minutes of the game, and he missed a bunch of them, uh, were short. Every one. He had no legs. Could barely get the ball to rim. Um, it, and, and I do think, now, I said the same thing about Sacramento and Golden State. I said that was home court series until it wasn't. The last three games, the mm-hmm. road team won all three. Uh, this may turn out the same way, but I don't think it will. I think the Nuggets will win game five. I think Phoenix will game, win game six. And game seven will be a hell of a game seven. Uh, I picked Denver to win in seven. I'll stick with that. Well, obviously, uh, we will see. The call and text line is 303-831-1340. Um, little uh, bookkeeping or housekeeping, not bookkeeping, housekeeping for you, by the way. Uh, the, according to Adam Schefter, the Denver Broncos have brought Kareem Jackson back on a one-year deal. So Jackson, 35 years old, will be back. I think that is a statement on the question of whether they believe uh, Caden Stearns is ready to take that spot. Uh, at least Sean Payton doesn't seem to think so. Right. So uh, Kareem Jackson back on a one-year deal, uh, showing up the safety spot at, at 35 years old. Uh, you know, what he has in the tank, I suppose we'll see. But uh, that ends up happening as well for the Denver Broncos, whose big exciting news is that the schedule will come out in a couple of days, I guess. 
I, that's one of my favorite I things. Can't wait. One of my favorite things about the NFL. They made an announcement Ready today to stay in sports about the, the announcement. The NFL. Yeah, they made a, a NFL yeah, a huge yeah, announcement that the announcement's coming in a couple of days. I get it. It's great fodder for your social media teams, and I'm sure we'll see Peyton Manning being funny and stuff, and that's great. But um, we've already known every single team the Broncos are going to play for months. Just the order. It's the most overrated thing in the entire <laughs> sports calendar. But uh, if, it, if it's your thing, good for you. That's that's exciting. Sounds sounds great. Whatever. The Nuggets have to find a way because uh, we can go into the stats. Game five winner in a best of seven. That's a uh, that's a pivot point. You have to find a way to win that game if you especially realistically, if especially if you're the home team, if you want to win that. So how do the Nuggets slow down a Phoenix Suns team that has stolen all of the momentum in the series? We'll also talk it over with our uh, our resident best basketball player, Miley Sports, Danny Bailey. In the booth next on Miley Sports. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.